Well, good morning, renovators. I tell you what, this is different, but it's a good different. This week, as I've said many times, what does a week hold? Well, this week has been one of those weeks. We left last week thinking we could meet together, and we did. By that afternoon, it had shrank, and then by the next afternoon, it had really gone down. So we've done the best we can to be able to stay connected with you, and that's what we're trying to do. I hope this week you've been prayerful. I hope you've been watchful, and I hope you've been thankful. I am thankful right now that we get a shot at doing this right here, even though it's our first time. Just asking, like Allie's already said, to give us grace, but I think it's going to be something great. You know how I like to be in the room together, Konania, fellowship in the Spirit, but that does not limit God, okay? We're going to be able to do that today, so just ask it to engage, and uh, maybe you may say amen more than you do here in, the, here in this house, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But one of the challenges, I think, as, as a Christian, or maybe anyone, as a Christian and even as a, a leader is trying to figure out what we can do in a time like this. You kind of want to go to the, lack of a better word, the battle, or go to the place and you're being asked to stay. And so we're trying to figure out in this time what that means for us. Uh, how, how does that look in a time like this? As we said last week, one of the things we can do for sure is pray. Now, I love Philippians 4. I'm going to... Uh, Sometimes a handheld would mess me up, so I'm using the mic today because I may be putting my Bible up and down, back and forth, so bear with me on that as I get used to this routine. But Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Dallas Willard says, Accordingly, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we are doing together. Man, has that ever been a... We are doing a lot of things together right now. Prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what He too is concerned about in my life. And, of course, he is concerned about my concerns, and in particular, I love this, and in particular that my concerns should coincide with his. This is our walk together. Out of it, I pray. What are God's concerns? Well, my, the best I can understand right now, uh, one of them is he is concerned about the storm we're in. And, and one of the big things I think about prayer is we don't sit around and pray for storms. But the reality is we, get, we are in storms many times. Some of them are extreme, some are light, but we're in storms, and we're trying to figure out how do we walk through this. And it's rare in the history of mankind. I know we've had some world wars where everybody was in something together, but really even in those wars we were against each other partly. But rarely in the, in the history of mankind have we all been in the same boat together. I mean, regardless of race, regardless of culture, regardless of politics, regardless of lifestyle, regardless of religion, we're all in this together. We're in the same boat. And man alive, this is a time to pull together. So we're trying to do, we're trying to do our parts, all I can tell you. But part of the anxiety, I believe, that's around most of us is, and what I want to talk about a little bit today, 
is the idea of COVID-19, what may happen, I think the thing that swirls through our minds, well, all of our securities, maybe the ones we've put that heavily attached to this world, will they be stripped away? And there's times like this we realize we're not in control. And my question to you today, if all those securities that the world brings us, if they were stripped away, would Jesus still be enough? I mean, really? <laughs> would he be enough? Max Lucado talks about a story in, in one of his books. I think The Eye of the Storm would make sense. Many years ago that I read, and Max Lucado is a pastor and an author. He talks about he was living in Florida during a hurricane, and they were tying their boat. They were living on a houseboat, and, and, and best I can remember the story, and they were tying to the pier. They were tying to the post. They were tying this boat down, and this old fisherman came up to him and said, uh, what are you guys doing? He said, well, we're trying to tie our boat down. He said, well, the problem with that is when the storm comes, all those things are going to get blown away too. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out to the deepest part of, of the bay here and anchor deep and ride the waves out. And his point was, when the storm comes and the foundations you have based your life on, if they get blown away in the storm, then we're in trouble. In a time like this, whatever you anchored your life on need to be counted on more than ever. See, there are times in our lifetime, even in the midst of the moment, and, we, and honestly right now, we don't know where this is going. We, I think we could all say that. We don't know where this is going. But even in the midst of the moment, you know you'll never be the same. Here at Renovation, we call those game changers. Life-altering, time stops, you'll never be the same again kind of moment. Over the last few weeks, I think I've realized more and more how great of a role the church plays in our culture and our community. I've been reminded also over the last few weeks as I was planning on being on a, what I call workation, which was going to be kind of a mixture of vacation and doing some work or writing and things of that nature, things change, don't they? But I've been reminded is the reason why I have this sculpture here on the table with me today. In 2001, when I was ordained as an elder in the Church of the Nazarene, <clears throat> this was something that was given to me. There was a larger, I don't know if it's life-size, but a larger one, on, on the campus of Point Loma Nazarene University. But on the bottom of it, it says, the calling. And it's Jesus coming to Peter and calling him to become, to be a fisher of men. And one of the statements that they say over you as they pray over you as you're ordained, it says, we have charged you to be a shepherd of the flock and to be prepared in every season. <laughs> they didn't explain that. <laughs> every season. I don't think any of us saw this coming. Or we would have probably been better prepared. 
So you may be asking, what are we doing as a church right now? Well, I think we're going to do the same, but it's going to be different. And what I mean by this, fortunately for us, we've got a foundation, not only obviously Christ and his church, but a mission, vision, and, and, and values that we live by here. We're going to lean into them, maybe unlike we've ever leaned into them the seven years we've been here, to live by faith. We want to be found faithful during these times. To be known by love. You know, one of the interesting things you've heard me say before about love, it's limitless. I mean, my emotional capacity has got limits. My time's got limits. I've got physical limitations. But what I don't have limits in is how much love I can give. I have four children, and it's not split 25, 25, 25, 25. It's 100, 100, 100, 100. Because God expands our capacity to love. We want to be with people known by love. Be a voice of hope. You've heard me say over and over here, the gospel is good news. We should be some of the most optimistic people in the world. And if it's good news for you and good news for me, it's good news for everybody. Be a voice of hope. Our vision statement to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation. But here's what I want to engage in right now. To be salt and light where we are engaged and influential. What a time to be salt and light where God has already planted you. Man, we, we've asked here, what are we going to do first steps? There's a lot of other steps I believe God's going to allow us to do here in our blessing strategy as we call it. But one of them is, who are we already engaged with and influential? We were looking in-house and going, who's a part of renovation? What are the ministries we are connected to already? How, we've already engaged them and trying to see how we can bless them. And then we're working our way out. Our values. Transformation. Our strategy here is right now, what are we going to do on Sunday morning? We had basically four different scenarios about that day, to be honest with you. And so, but this was the first one, and thank goodness we're getting to do it, and we'll see. By next week, it may be the second or third. We'll just see. But also, we may be looking, if this is an extended period of time, since we won't be having Bible studies and things of that nature, how do we engage that way? But we will see. Secondly, and I don't not say secondly, but maybe not in order, because I don't think there is an order, but mercy or our blessing strategy. I said to you last week, one of the things you can start doing, just take care of yourself. That may be the first way besides praying and being watchful. Take care of yourself right now. By taking care of yourself, you'll be taking care of others. So the blessing strategy. A couple of other things inside of that blessing strategy besides here in our church and the ministries we're connected to. We're also looking, uh, checking with our denomination and asking them from local and around the world, along with touching base with government and, and those who we know that are already at the heartbeat of what's going on in our state. So we're just asking, Lord, how can we be a blessing? That's mercy. And then community. This is one way we're doing community right now. But if this goes over an extended period of time, we believe God's going to show us other ways to stay connected. Maybe even better than we ever have been. And I know that's hard to believe. We may be, even do dinner on the grounds, but everybody do it at their house. No, I don't know how we do that. That may not work. But we're going to find ways to stay connected, okay? So I just want you to know we are leaning into what God has already put in place for us. It's just going to look different right now. 
Another thing I want to say is, is that and people who know me, I'm way, I, I, I way overthink things. I worry about things I shouldn't worry about. I, I have this saying that many of you have heard before. I tell Janice that apparently worrying works because most of the things I worry about never happen. Terrible philosophy to live by. But I think we really waste our time because we have today. I don't know that we have tomorrow. James talks about, you know, who's to say you're going to go here or there tomorrow or the next day. You're, you're, you know, your life is a mist. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You should say, Lord willing, if he wants us to go there. So that's kind of where we are right now, Lord willing. Uh, and, but the reality is I don't want to think that we're sitting around in fear, though. And I know it's hard right now to fight through all the noise and all the clutter that's going on. And one of the things I'm starting to do right now is trying to figure, figure out how do I get to the truth I need to know about, about COVID-19 and get rid of the rest of it. Just kind of go, I don't want to listen to all that right now. I don't need that noise. It just brings more anxiety, if, if you will, or more stress or more fear. But how do I clear the clutter Maybe just go to channels, just go to uh, websites, whatever that is, that maybe right now just say, I just need the information I need. I don't need anything else right now. But there may be a day that we figure out, hey, how did this all happen? Who made mistakes? Okay, that may be that, there may be a day coming. It needs to be. But right now, friends, we just need truth that's coming from where the, the, the people that are looking out for us and then looking to the truth. Maybe each day, if you're going to spend time looking at news, maybe you spend as much time in the Word, much time in prayer, as much time, maybe even getting some exercise. I know online right now, you can get different exercises. I was looking yesterday, somebody sent me a deal on a quarantine 10-minute exercise. Okay, just, I'm just saying, uh, drink water, get sunshine if you can. If it's a, but just figure out ways right now to try to clear the clutter. Because I just don't think panic and fear, not only does it help you, I don't think that's what the Spirit, Scripture says, that was given to us. Many years ago, I had the privilege of meeting Daryl Scott. And Daryl Scott is the father of Rachel Scott, who many of you would remember her name from about 20, 21 years ago. She was killed in Columbine a wonderful Christian young lady in, in the book, Rachel's Tears, and I think, I think maybe in a movie too, but about that. But I had the privilege of speaking to Daryl Scott about 20 years ago, after, right after the incident, and he was at Crossroads where we were at the time. And he said he had a wise man tell him, because he, he was wrestling on how he was going to work through that the loss of his daughter and making sense of all of it. And he just said, Daryl, you need to become a see-through-er, not a look-at-er. To be a see-through-er, not a look-at-er. Sometimes we can just look at the issue so hard, it paralyzes us and locks us up with anxiety. Instead of begin to look through it and look through the other side, that what is, in our case, maybe not everybody, that what is God up to? That we are going to get through this. To become a look through, I mean, see through or not a look at her. And Josiah was mentioned earlier about being thankful. I watched Mr. Rogers last night for a few minutes, the, 
Tom Hanks movie, and I just appreciated, obviously, in the movie, or not obviously, but if you watch the movie, he prays for people by name. But there's a scene in that movie where he stops the, you know, the, the gentleman that he's, I would say, ministering to. They might not have called it that, but he says to him, he says, I do an exercise where I take one minute and just remember the things that I'm thankful for. Specifically, those thankful for those who have made an impression on my life. Let's just take half a minute. And the quietness of where you are, and if closing your eyes helps, 30 seconds just to have God run across your mind the people you're thankful for. The things that you're thankful for. And let me be quiet for 30 seconds. Sometimes I think we just need to take a deep breath. And against Paul's words in Colossians 4. To be in prayer. To be watchful. To be thankful. Matthew 14, there's a story. And the story is one that most of us have heard of Peter attempting to walk on water and Jesus walking on water. The disciples in the boat. And the story, just to remind you, in Matthew 14, is Jesus had a hard day. <laughs> He's found out that his cousin, his forerunner, John the Baptist, has been killed, been beheaded. And mixed into that, if you know more about the story, John's disciples were sent to him, to Jesus, to ask the question as John was in prison, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus says, go back and tell him the lame walk and the blind see. But he goes on to say, blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. What he was saying to John was, I'm not coming to stop you from being beheaded. I'm calling you to die for me. That's hard, man. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that, but he's because it says he, he went away to the mountainside. And in that same day, he goes to the mountainside because he's grieving and people follow him. And Allie did a great job a few weeks ago of breaking down that feeding of the 5,000. But there in that moment, Jesus does a miracle. But the miracle happened in the disciples' hands when they gave him their only And he did a miracle. And this is where we pick it up reading it. In verse 22. 
Immediately, this is after he fed the five, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain, mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him and walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Some of you right now, if you have your Bible out, you need to circle that. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Some of you need to circle that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When Jesus climbed into your boat, the wind should die down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And I'm just going to stop right there. I think that's where we're stopped on, on, on the screen. But a few things here, just hopefully briefly for your sake. Shortly before dawn, If I'm, if I'm correct on this, and I may get corrected some, it's always darkest before what? The dawn. Jesus came to them before dawn. When it seems the darkest, he comes walking to them, and they are afraid. They can't make it out. They can't figure out that they think something that may be harming them come to find out it's their Savior coming to them. Two things here. I love Peter going, Lord, if it's you, I want to come to you. And he gets out in the winds and the, and the waves and all the things that's going on. One thing I want to say is, I would love to be Peter. I'd rather get out of the boat with Jesus and stay where it seems dangerous and stay in the boat with him where it seems safe. But he gets Peter, they get back in the boat, but this is the part I want to just say here that hopefully is helpful to all of us today. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat were in the boat together, folks. We are in this boat together. So those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. I love what Max Lucado says. I'm going to read it here from, uh, I'm not sure it's that book again, Eye of the Storm, but he says this about that verse. 
He said, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. They worshipped him. They never had as a group done that before. Never. Check it out. You won't find it. They saw miracles. They were willing to follow him, to leave their families. But only after this incident on the sea did they worship him. Why? Simple. This time, they were the ones who were saved. So they worshiped him. They did the only thing they could do. From that moment on, he was not just a deity to admire, a teacher to observe, or a master to obey. He was the Savior, the Savior to be worshiped. I admit right now, I am that guy who gets a little excited, not at people's demise, so don't hear what I'm not saying, but gets a little excited to wonder what God's up to in his world. I am convinced God will use the hardest, worst storms in our life to bring about the best, to bring about people to him who will hear the life-changing message that they will be changed forever, the game-changer moment. Today and every day, I have a choice. To either have a great expectation of seeing as a see-thrower that God has my life in his hands and our life in his hands or not. Every day, I have that choice. I don't know what the future holds. I don't even know by the time we get out of this room here, by the time we finish this service, what all is going on in the world as fast as it's changing right now. But what I can control right now is do everything I know to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. Believing that someday... I will stand before the creator of the universe knowing, knowing that I have missed it here and there. I know I've missed it when I thought God said move and I probably didn't when he, I moved and he said stay. I get it, but what I think and I hope he'll be able to say though, well done. I hope I'm able to go through that time going, I was all in, God. I was surrendered. I was fearless. I was trying. See, I'm just banking on the fact that God is who he says he is. I'm banking on the fact that he is in control. And what I hope, I, I realize and let's just be honest, and that we talked about it last week. We as Christians should stare reality in the face. We're not hiding from anything. This is serious. <laughs> and a matter of fact, it may get worse or if not way worse before it gets better. I realize that. But that doesn't mean because I'm panicked doesn't, I mean because I'm serious doesn't mean I have to be panicked. Doesn't mean I have to be fearful. 
But I think it does mean I need to be watchful and prayerful. And I realize most of us in here would love to live a long life. I, I would. But none of us are guaranteed that. But this is what I hope. Whenever I leave this earth, I just hope that my last days are not lived in fear and panic. Whenever that is. I've been praying recently for God's favor, as I have for a long time. God's blessing over you, over us, over this country, over our world. I know for a fact I have sensed God's presence in an unbelievable way in this room here, and I do today too. I have sensed his presence on a, on a dump ground in Reynosa, Mexico in 1992 with a group of teenagers. I've sensed his presence at ground zero in New York City in 2000 teenagers singing Amazing Grace at 1 o'clock in the morning. At soup kitchens in North Little Rock, Arkansas. In Gumri, Armenia, next to a container that people were having lived in before living in containers was cool. Matter of fact, I've even sensed God's presence in a camp dorm with junior high boys. And I know that's a shocker, but it happens. Yesterday, driving over here to the church in the church van, I was playing the song The Blessing by Cody Carnes and Carrie Job in Elevation Worship. The presence of God was so real in that van. I almost had to pull over because I was weeping. Because I sense God's presence so real. But let me say this, friend, that was yesterday. I need God's presence today, too. I need his presence every day. And as I was listening to that song, and I will say this, I'm a song guy. Most of you know me. I'm a song guy. But I also think there are songs that happened in a time and space that we will remember forever because we will hear that song 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and we will go, I know what was going on. I remember what was happening. And for whatever reason, God has put this on their heart to write this song during this time. And as I drove along, listening to that, that song, sorry, Realizing we are living in a moment of time like we've never seen. And the only thing I could think think of in that moment as I listened to that song is what are my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren going to say about us? What are they going to say? What were my grandparents? What was, was the church alive then? What was the church doing? And I hope they hear a story that we were alive, that we were watchful, that we were prayerful, that we were fearless, 
And we did everything we knew to balance mystical and rational, go fearless and sound mind, and go where God called us to go and stay when he says to stay. And I hope there is a story that said that the church was highly favored and it was unexplainable apart from God. We're in a moment in time that we have a shot. Maybe we're not on the front side of it. Maybe we should have already done some things. But friend, we got a chance starting right now to write a new ending to this thing. That I'm convinced of. And we have a choice today. Now, I love that passage of Scripture that they used, and they used some others, but especially the one in number six. That the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That he turns, and I think when I hear that, and I've done this to my kids. Sometimes I've held their hands and their, their face in my hands and just able to look them in the eye and go, I just want them to know how much I love them. Don't be distracted right now. I just want you to know, and I think of the Father taking us right now and just saying, I love you. You're okay. Have peace in me. I'm blessing you. Just go with me on this. Look for me. I'm not a ghost. <laughs> I'm your Savior in the storm. I know it seems dark and it may get darker, but the Savior came before the dawn. We love you. That's all I can tell you. And we're trying. I'm praying for those folks right now who are trying to lead us because I know they're exhausted. I know what it's like been the last four days for me. And I know this staff who is unbelievable. What they have done to us to get in here today and to be able to do this is unbelievable. I see our president and our vice president and those leaders standing back there. They're tired. But let me say this to you. Give them grace. They may say the wrong thing. And they may be combative here and there. And I'm not defending anything or anybody. But all I know right now is God, I think, has called us to give grace. We're grace. And, and I'm going to tell you one thing about grace. I'm not an expert in anything, as I told you last week. Nothing that I can think of. But the one thing I know about grace, it costs the giver more than it does the receiver. All I got to do is look at the cross. I think right now we just got to figure out how to give as much grace as we possibly can give. But friend, today I want to tell you, if you don't know the grace giver, he loves you. And these are the words we've said here a lot. I think it's Leif Peterson, Eugene Peterson's son, said that his dad, who wrote the message, said his dad said this, said he preached the same sermon for 50 years and nobody ever caught on. That God loves you. 
He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. And even though you may have walked 10,000 steps away, just turn around, take one step back. He's there. Josiah and Michelle are going to lead us in this song again. Then I will come and close us in prayer. Is Jesus enough? He's not. He's more than enough. (laughs) And those in the boat together, well, they worshiped him. And as Max Licato said, at that point they realized they didn't have any other option because the Savior Yeah, he wasn't just a teacher, wasn't just a miracle worker, and he was those things. But he's the Savior. Lord, help us today. As we are scattered around this valley, maybe, I don't know, across the country, maybe around the world at some point over the next months of how you reach to the far ends of the earth. You today, Lord, have put all this in motion as far as from the beginning of time that nothing has surprised you. You are sovereign. And Lord, because of that, I just count today that you're in control. And I just take a big deep breath as if I'm breathing in the Spirit who will be our comforter, our convictor, yes. Remind us of all the things you have said. Lord, let us be salt and light. And that you get the glory for all of it. We love you today. We love your people. Lord, we want to be found faithful. But give us grace because we know we're going to miss it. (laughs) But we want to be found faithful. Blessings today. Who those are earshot of these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Renovation Church. We love you. We're for you. And we're trying to figure this out with you. And uh, just go have an uncommon week. In his name. Blessings. Blessings.